Scott, thank you. Guys, I went ahead and made an, a little bit of adjustment. First of all, worship completely rocked my face off today uh, here at church and at High Point. And um, I, wanted to, I wanted you guys to have the opportunity to hear something, uh, even as just the theme that's happening right now, literally this morning, that we weren't even necessarily planning on. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just kind of rewrites a script for you in a service, and that's happening. And you need to hear about how Jesus is changing lives. And sometimes we can forget that whatever it is that we're going through and whatever it is that we're facing, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is impossible for him. Nothing is too great for our God. Because that's true, I wanted to for you guys to hear from one of our campus ministers this morning for just a minute. Her name's Catherine. Catherine, you can, you can come up onto the stage here. And uh, she just come, came back from a mission trip to uh, uh, the nation of Cuba, which, if you know, is a communist country. And uh, some of the opportunities that have been afforded to her and to our church, look around you for a minute. You wouldn't normally think that our church right here would have the doors of a nation opening up to us. You might think that's something that a church of thousands would have afforded to them, but that is not the case uh, in this situation. And so uh, Catherine just got back. She just preached at our campus meeting this past Thursday. She, led, she was a jingle. She literally got off the plane from Cuba and drove straight to Jingle Jam this past Saturday, preached Thursday, and is now serving with kids today. Uh, somebody is, is holding down the fort for her because she's just rocking it. And I wanted her to share just for a minute on what God is doing in Cuba and how uh, you guys have helped been part of it. Good morning, church. So I just got back from Cuba. I'm not sure if you heard. And I, we wanted to share a little bit about what happened down there. And so this trip is a little different than what you normally think of. It was a scouting trip. So what we did, we had a smaller team that went out, and we went with the purpose of seeing if we could really start a campus ministry down in Cuba. And so like Andy was saying, Cuba is a communist nation. It is a nation that it is literally against the law to profess faith, especially that which follows Jesus. And God, against all of that, has chosen to really open up a lot of different areas. So we've been, recently we go down there and we work with house churches and we work with current pastors. We train them and do all this, but this trip specifically was focused on a campus. And so for the first time in the history of Cuba, a Christian organization has been given permission to actually go on to a university campus, which was insane. So we had a, there was a team of a six women, six young women who were in leadership in their church, and then one really tall seven-foot guy, um, our lead pastor, Keith Tower, down in Orlando. We went to the University of Havana. And you guys, we walked up. There's all of these steps getting up to the front of the school. And we would walk up five of them and then just stop and be amazed at what was happening. The fact that we were even allowed onto this campus. The previous trips, we would just drive by, but we were not allowed to actually step foot there. And so we went onto the campus, and we expected it to be sad and kind of despairing and just, you know, you think communist nation, you think, oh, we're oppressed, we're upset. We walk onto this campus, and we just saw joy. 
We saw students playing dominoes in every corner. There was a group of students playing charades in one corner. They had music going, Justin Bieber just blaring on the speakers, and they were enjoying themselves. And so we got the opportunity our first day to go, and we were led by one of the students there. She's a student at University of Havana. She's a follower of Christ. We met her through the English school that we're a part of as well. And she gave us a tour of the campus. So she actually took us into all of the buildings. We got to go to the law school which was amazing. We went into this huge classroom. It's like a lecture-style classroom. We walked in. It was empty, so we started just praying over the classroom and just kind of getting a feel for the spiritual climate of the area. And we walk in, and on the edge of the classroom, on one of the walls, there were pictures of Fidel Castro when he was a young, a young lad, I guess, when he was in school at, at this university. So there are pictures of him, you know, in his basketball stance, and there's one of him in, like, a nice suit, completely clean-shaven, didn't even look like what you would think of Fidel Castro with his, like, beard and just bushy hair. And as we're looking at this, we start to realize the magnitude of what we were doing, of seeing that this young man, this one guy sitting in this classroom, went to completely turn the trajectory of this entire nation. And to think if there was one person who interacted with him and taught him and, and shared with him the gospel and their testimony, what that could have meant not only for his life, for the lives of the students in his classroom, but for the nation as a whole. And so we began to really pray over specifically the university's law school. We began to pray for these young students who are seeking truth, they're seeking knowledge, and praying for the opportunity to bring them first to the gospel and to the truth of the word of God and believing for this generation to actually step up and be the generation to turn the entire trajectory again of this nation to be living for God, to be proclaiming God, to have people starting on the campus level to go into law school, to go into the government, to go into the high places where they can actually make change and make a difference for this nation. And so this was the trip that I was blessed to be a part of. I was so humbled. I felt like half the time I was just helping the Cubans there do what they were doing, and I got to step back and just enjoy the amazing work that they're already doing down there. So we had the opportunity coming up to do another trip uh, this coming year. We're not sure when or the details, but our, our goal is to go back. We had a wonderful trip. The scouting was successful, to say the least, that we have a huge possibility and opportunity to go and actually preach the gospel and talk to people about Jesus down there. So you guys are a part of that by sending me, by giving, by praying. None of this would happen without the support of our people here, with the support of every nation as a global ministry that we are. And so I just want to say thank you personally for being a part of sending me to be a part of that, but to also see just the greatness of what God is doing in other nations and to continue doing that there and to bring that here as well. Amazing. We're going to pray here in just one moment. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Because for you and I, you're, you're, I mean, if you're American, you've grown up in what is what the world at least understands as our country being a Christian country. Now, we can debate the realities of that. I realize that. But you've not experienced, most of you have not experienced an environment where being a Christian is against the law. Or where you go to Cuba and most of the pastors that you're spending time with have all been imprisoned, have all been beaten, sometimes kidnapped, um, and, and their families not knowing if they're going to survive. 
and the access that has been afforded to us is very unique. And I realize when we, we speak about this, we're going to be opening up more opportunities for you to go and, and, and be part of mission trips there. And it can sound like, oh, my gosh, am I going to go and never return? Uh, because that's not the case. And it is the environment that we have has been, it has been made very safe for us. And um, we can talk more offline about it because some of these things you don't want to necessarily talk about on a microphone uh, given the context. But know that we have the opportunity to help change the course of an entire country. And that's not small. And what is happening, the, 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 what's happening at the university, the leaders, the young leaders of today are the older leaders of tomorrow. And so that's why we want to reach them. Because you reach people that are young and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And you know what they do? They live for Jesus and they create change. And that's what we're about. Anyhow, we're going to pray. Can you do that? Uh, guys, bow your heads. Let's pray, for, let's pray for that great nation. And then uh, if you feel a stirring to go and be part of that, uh, well, keep your, uh, your eyes and ears open because we'll be, we'll be posting and, and uh, opening opportunities for that before too long. Father, thank you. God, thank you for the nation of Cuba and the doors that you've opened for the gospel to be preached. We thank you for Catherine and her faithfulness and the teams that have gone before us. We thank you for uh, the other people from our church who've gone. Uh, God, helping to pave the way uh, for something greater. And so, God, we speak life right now over that nation, and we are sowing faith, seeds of faith, God, right now with great expectation, Lord, that we would see a harvest of young men and young women who come to know you, who are filled with the power of God, and who live their lives unto you. We ask it boldly in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Sorry. All right. This beautiful little podium, I will need that, yes. For those of you who are OCD, I'm going to just go ahead and apologize to you because you're going to see this happen a couple times. I mean, you ever go to the restaurant, right, and you get seated at the table, and you're like, why? Why did this happen to me? God, are you even real? You know, exaggeration. But are you going to help me? <laughs> Bro, you're sorry. If you're listening online, there's there are screws at the bottom of this podium, and I don't know how. It's like there's a little elf that comes in and just unscrews them during the week and makes it unlevel. So this podium wobbles. I don't know what's going on. Jason Hubbard, you are a man of many strengths and talents. All right. Wow. Good times. He's the secret weapon. It's true. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to High Point. My name is Andy. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, it's great to be here with you again. And let me also say, uh, if you'll permit me to do so, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's a great time to be alive. And with all the festivities and all the traditions uh, that are going on right now, it's a special time uh, every time of year, even in the midst of hardship for some of us. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have, have gone through, uh, you've had heartbreaking news. You've, you've experienced divorce or whatever pain might uh, be around for you. Sometimes that gets, you know, exasperated, so to speak, over the holidays. But I want us to take a moment and, and anchor ourselves in the, tr the truest story of all, the truest tradition of all, and that is Jesus Christ. Why we do what we do. 
Jesus Christ. Now, there are things that we do at our house to celebrate Jesus. There, there are also things that we do that have really nothing to do with Jesus. Part of just some of the Christmas festivities. Some of you, I'm sure, have movies that you watch every single year. One of those, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, You Can Make It Argument, really does help you, you know, honor Jesus in your heart. I don't know that you can say the same for the movie Elf, but nevertheless, it gets played at our house every single year. Why? Because it's hilarious. And, I mean, it's just one of my favorite movies. Some of you even watch it in July because you just love it that much. Well, it is, you know, we're, we're, we're taking famous movies and, and we're helping them, we're letting them help us illustrate the power of the gospel and the power of, of Jesus' coming this Christmas. And so this year, or excuse me, this week, we are we're using a clip from the movie Elf. And if you haven't seen Elf, you've got a little bit of homework to do at some point in time. And if Will Ferrell, if he just rubs you the wrong way, this is at least a clean movie that he has done. And uh, it's safe for the kids. And it, from, from my standpoint, I think it's hilarious. So in this scene, Buddy the Elf, if you haven't seen the movie, he, he's, he's a baby at the very beginning, and he sneaks into Santa's sack. And Santa takes him back to the North Pole and doesn't realize it, and he crawls out of the sack, and, and you know, he was an orphan. And then he, he just grows up there at the North Pole thinking that he's an elf, not realizing that he's a human. And there comes a point in his life, I don't know how old he is, but he discovers from an overhearing a conversation that he, in fact, is not just a humongous elf, he is, in fact, a human. And because he discovers a little bit more of who he is, it, it starts him on a journey from the North Pole to Manhattan to find his father and discover a little bit more about himself. Roll that footage. Hey, buddy, want to pick some snowberries? Not now, Arctic Puffin. <laughs> Hello, buddy. Oh, hi, Leon. Quite a long face, partner. It seems I'm not an elf. Of course you're not. You're six foot three and had a beard since you were 15. Papa says my real father lives in a magical place far away. I don't know what to do. At least you have it, Daddy. I was just rolled up one day and left out here in the cold. The thing is, I've, I've never even left the North Pole. Buddy, I've been around the world many times when I was a young cumulus, Nimbus Cloud. It's a wonderful place filled with wondrous creatures, except dogs. Oh, by the way, don't eat the yellow snow. Oh, I know that. All I'm saying is this might be the golden opportunity to find out who you really are. Leon says New York is pretty different. Oh, don't pay attention to Leon. You've never been anywhere. You didn't have any feet. I've been to New York thousands of times. Really? What's it like? Well, there are some things you should know. First off, you see gum on the street, leave it there. It's not free candy. Second, there are like 30 raised pizzas. They all claim to be the original, but the real one's on 11. And if you see a sign that says, peep show that doesn't mean that they're letting you look at presents before christmas can't wait to see my dad we're, we're gonna go ice skating and eat sugar plops yeah that's the other thing i wanted to talk to you about you know buddy 
your father. Well, he's on the naughty list. No! Bye, guys. Bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. Bye. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I don't know what it is that gets me every time. That and the weeping Arctic puppet, who just is like overcrying. Just shit. I don't know what it is. Oh, every time, guys. Every time. I'll probably go home and watch it again today because it just fills me with great joy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what is going to start our Christmas conversation today is something that very many of you can relate to, and that is this idea of being on a journey, right? Where you're trying to get from one place to another. And sometimes that's difficult, sometimes that is painful. Uh, I'm not talking about this, this, you know, kind of new age journey of self-discovery, right? But rather this idea of growth and this idea of maturity. And then there are also difficult things that, that God brings you through. And buddy, while it's laughable and comical, the reality is this news that he's coming to grips with is hard for him, right? In many ways, it's like he's experienced a revelation, right? A visitation, so to speak, and it has changed the trajectory of his life. And so that leads us to a, a, a moment where we see the road shaping for one Mary and one Joseph. And in, in, in a moment, in the snap of a finger, like a light bulb that, that gets turned on, their life instantly changes. And the, the information that they have that God has given them, it changes literally every single thing moving forward for their life. You guys with me this morning? I'm not suggesting that Buddy the Elf is carrying the same weight as Mary and Joseph by any means. But what you see in the movie and what you see in the scriptures time and time and time and time and time again are people who are struggling to get from one place to another. And the biggest struggle that we have is having faith, is trusting God, being patient with God. You don't need to even raise your hand, but if, if, if I ask the question in, in you know, we were having coffee. What is it that you're believing for? What is it that you're trusting God for? What is it that you're in faith for? Everybody would have some kind of answer. Something that you want to see, but have yet to actually see. So that where we, that's where we find ourselves this morning. Let's do this. Uh, we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to jump in. God be with us this morning. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Uh, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes and open our ears and hearts this morning, that we might hear the gospel in a, in a fresh way. Amen. 
when I was just first cutting my teeth in Nashville in ministry, my pastor, this was many, many years ago, 15, 16 years ago now, he, he told me something that I've never forgotten. He said, Andy, aside, apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, what people need more than anything else is courage. Aside from the saving grace of Jesus, what people need most is courage. Why? Why is that the case? Because there are so many things that we're facing that are scary. That's why the most quoted phrase in the entire Bible, the most common command, isn't somehow that you would honor your mom and dad, although that would be good. It isn't one of the Ten Commandments either, although awesome, do those. The thing that God commands us to do more often than anything else is do not fear. Take heart. Have courage. More than anything else, over 70 times in the Bible, we see God inviting his people to take courage. Why? Because there's so many things fighting to rob you of that quality, that inner soul quality of being brave and trusting and in faith. God. You ever feel that way? Ever just feel afraid? Or, or maybe it's not the kind of fear that keeps you up at night, so to speak, right? Like the boogeyman in the closet. But, but there's just this, there's this status quo, there's this staleness, right, that you can experience that just, you, you, you have a growing fear inside of you that this is it. This is life. I wake up, I go to work, I come home. Is there something more? God, is there something more for me? Where should I spend my energies? What is it that I should be passionate about? I want to be passionate about something, but I don't even know what it is. And there's this little gnawing voice that can begin to creep in the back of your mind, and we grow in this quality of fear rather than a quality of faith. And what we need most, apart from you, being radically transformed by the grace of God is to actually have courage to trust him in the day in and the day out for the road ahead. You guys with me this morning? If there's been an anthem uh, that's been repeating in my head this year, it's been this message, and I wasn't planning to preach this message, but it just kind of all started to, to come together. And so this, in many ways, is an anthem for me personally, but also it's one of those things that's leading me into 2019, and I believe leading us as a church into 2019, the year that's in front of us. Turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 33. We're going to just hear about the account of Mary being visited by an angel. And then I'm going to take the Christmas story in a completely different direction for you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth uh, roughly being uh, the cousin of Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Most people think Mary is about 13 years old. If you're sitting here and you're 13, whoa. Imagine an angel showing up and saying, you're, you're about to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and the baby that you're going to carry is the Messiah, Savior of the entire planet. Enjoy that. You'd probably feel afraid, wouldn't you? She's initially troubled when an angel shows up, <laughs> understandably. And then God gives her this revelation, so to speak, a, a dream in her heart that he begins to quicken. You're going to carry the Messiah, and he's going to save God's people from their sins. Now, amazing. I mean, who doesn't want an angel to show up and, and make things clear for you? This is what God wants you to do with your life. This is the trajectory that you have. Okay, see you later. And away the angel goes. And now this is the wrestle that so many of us have, isn't it? We have these mountaintop moments with God where, where you finally find that you've got a little bit of clarity. You have this, this, this the fuzzy feeling. You have the emotional encounter with God during worship. You take that fasting guide and, and you start out the year consecrating your life to God and it's powerful and it's significant and you just feel like God is with you at every single turn. And then there comes a moment where those feelings are no longer present and you have to make a choice as to whether or not you're going to trust God or whether you're going to live in constant fear of God not showing up. Think about it. This is, what you, this is what's going to happen to you. All right, now I'm going to go back to heaven. My name's Gabriel, by the way. You can tell people however you want, but I'm going to go ahead and leave, and I'm going to let you sort this out. If there's ever a moment that you're starting to panic, that moment is now. You know this feeling of being on a mountaintop with God and then settling back in to real life. People have these mission trip moments where they go on a mission trip and they have zero responsibilities, none at all. And God's just moving. People are getting saved. The worship is powerful. No, you're not thinking about bills. You're not thinking about anything except ministry and God. And then the mission trip comes to an end, and you've got to get on a plane and fly back home, and you can just feel it creeping into your soul, angst, anxiety, fear. 
because you're having a step back into the real life that you're living, and you're going to have to trust God in the everyday living situations, the ups and downs of real life. So what is it that Mary does? She does something that so many of us forget to do. And this is the brunt of the message today. Mary does not stay at home. She doesn't somehow, you know, get Joseph and, you know, make sure they're going to the temple every single day. She doesn't get on her knees and start, you know, somehow praying or writing, you know, a, a Jesus Calling devotional. She doesn't do that. Although it'd be great. She doesn't do any of those things that you would normally associate with somebody who's trying to build faith or, you know, she's not, we don't have any evidence that she's pacing around her house, confessing the words of the Old Testament, somehow declaring God's truth over her life, although it would be great. She, we don't see her doing any of those things. What we find that she does is she gets home, there's a little bit of a, a moment with Joseph, and then she packs her bags and she leaves. And where, oh, where does she go? Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, some of you say hill a little differently than I do. Some of you say heel. I want you to know that is not right. Jesus does not approve of that. The word is pronounced hill, the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I want you to track with me here. Mary has been given the greatest responsibility that you can possibly imagine. God has revealed to her through the angel Gabriel that she is carrying the Messiah. But guess what? That Gabriel isn't going to be staying by her side through this entire pregnancy. No, 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 no. Gabriel's leaving. And that means she's going to have to fight in faith to hold on to what she knows God has told her in the face of persecution, in the face of people calling her, I'm sure, terrible slurs. After all, people would have thought she stepped out on Joseph, and at that time, that meant death. And so what is it that she does? She takes this faith that's inside of her. She takes this encounter with God, and she begins to blow a little air into the flame, and she gets around people who she knows will encourage her faith. And so she packs her bags, and she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth sees her, her first response isn't, Oh, my God. I cannot believe that you are here right now. Do you realize what this is going to do to my reputation? No, 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 no. Mary makes a right call, and she gets around someone who will speak faith to her, who will call faith up and out of her. 
who will help her walk in the truth of what she knows God has said to her. Because after all, she's going to have to fight. She's going to have some dark moments. She's going to have moments where she doubts, where she second guesses, where she's unsure. And you know what? That is the, a normal part of living and a normal part of life is you not knowing up from down sometimes. Teenagers, I got great news for you that feels like bad news for you. Life is confusing sometimes. 13 years old, and you're supposed to sort this out? But she has great wisdom in this moment. And I would encourage you, teens, sometimes there are so many things that are weighing on us that we don't understand or we don't know how to sort out. And I want to invite you not to just do a Google search to figure it out, but go to someone that you trust, that you know that's godly, that can, that can speak into your life, that can speak faith and encouragement and cry with you and hug you and sort things out with you. 13 years old, and you have been tasked with carrying the Messiah. And so Mary does what every person should do. She finds someone who's been there, who's done that, who's a little bit ahead of her, and she goes and she spends time there. Three months to be exact. The road ahead for Mary and Joseph was not easy. And I have to believe that what Mary sowed in right here has a great deal to do with the perseverance and strength with which she and Joseph walked through the remainder of this pregnancy. Now, my question to you is, what is God saying to you? Because you can still read this story and you can say to yourself, man, that is awesome. That is great new information that I did not know about Christmas. Thank you, Andy. Or you can understand how this bears out in your own life. And the reality is that God is still speaking to his people. God is still speaking to you. He is still speaking to you, moms and dads. He is still speaking to you, teenagers. He is still speaking to you, single people. He is still speaking to you, those who've gone through difficult times. He is still speaking to you, those who you think you've squandered your life or somehow your sin has, has moved you out of God's blessing or somehow he can't use you. That is not true. God is still speaking to his people. And the question is, what will you do when you feel that God has given you a word to stand on, when God speaks something into your soul, when he gives you a dream in your heart, when he gives you a vision for something, something to be passionate about, something to pour your life into, what will you do when adversity comes? Because what we see Mary doing is the very single thing that you and I need to learn to do. Not just hunker down by ourselves in the privacy of our own home and fight this thing out. But get around other people who we know believe in us. Who will pray for us. Who will speak truth to us. Who will call faith up and out of us. There are things sitting in this room, church. Dreams and visions that are bigger than yourself. In fact, if you can accomplish every single thing, 
that God's given you in your lifetime, I have news for you. You've got more to listen. You've got more listening to do from God because I promise you there are things bigger than what you can accomplish in your own strength. What are the dreams that God's giving you? I'm I'm fairly confident that no one's been visited by the angel Gabriel and given news such as this. In fact, if any of you come to me and say, I'm carrying the Messiah, we're going to have a different kind of conversation. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't invited you to carry something. That doesn't mean that God hasn't given you the baby of an idea to carry, the baby of a dream, the possibility of something more. There are business ideas in some of you that you've been sitting on because you're just not sure if it's God. There are relationships that haven't moved forward at one bit because you're just not certain certain if, if this is God speaking to you. Some of you are sitting on ideas and dreams and visions for songs and books and, and different ideas and different pursuits, and you've been, you've been a little bit afraid to step out and step forward. And what you need more than anything isn't to somehow get in the privacy of your little room. It's to get around other people who will look at you and say, that's God. Yes, you are blessed. God is blessing this. God is blessing you. How can we serve you? How can I pray for you? I'm blessed for being a part of this. What do you need? It does something when you get around somebody like that. I realize I'm shouting a lot this morning. Passionate about this. I'm not angry about it, in case my face looks like I'm angry. <laughs> if you're listening online, I'm not angry. I'm excited. And one of the reasons I'm I'm excited about this church is that for much of American Christianity we have settled for a version of Christianity that looks like you simply attending and sitting in a seat, learning a few songs over the course of your Christian career, being familiar with Bible stories, and that's it. And that's the extent of what it looks like for you to be in faith. And yet we have no account of that in Scripture anywhere that that is somehow the measure of what it looks like to be a Christian. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we are called to live by faith and not by sight. And throughout history, including the early church, we have people still who are dying for what they believe in. People who are stepping into impossible situations and believing for God to move. Trusting that he's going to show up. Time and time and time again, we see the Apostle Paul putting himself in situations where he is standing on what he believes God has said to him. And he does it with tremendous courage in the face of certainly being, I'm sure, afraid. Time and time again, we see the early church on their knees praying For God to move somewhere, the release of someone that's in prison, the salvation of someone around the corner. And time and time again, when God's people walk in faith and not by sight, we see God do something amazing. 
I'll give you an example of something that's not in the Bible that you maybe you're familiar with. If you're familiar with the name Do Wan Chang, he's Korean, moved here to the United States in 1981. And he came here with his wife. They were, they were fleeing some political hardships there in South Korea. They got here to the United States with a dream in their heart of starting a cafe because that's the little experience that they had, and they didn't speak hardly any English, had hardly any money, and they were caring for not only each other at about 20, 18 years old, I think, at the time, but also a mom and a father. And so the day after arriving in California, Do Wan Chang got a, a, a job uh, washing dishes at a cafe, but because it wasn't enough money, he also got a job pumping gas at a gas station. And then because that still wasn't enough money, he started a cleaning service in the evenings and cleaning offices. Had three jobs while his wife was a hairdresser. Now they're Christians. And they put their faith in Jesus. And with all of the things happening in their life, they still get up and they go to a prayer service every single morning at their church at 5 a.m. Every single day. They're in faith, asking for God to do, asking for God to show up, asking for God to give them faith for the journey ahead. And asking for God to make it clear. And while they're in prayer one week, they both feel like God is telling them to take 100% of their savings and open a store. $11,000 at that time. So they open a little store, and they start selling some clothes out of it. And this guy grows his business, and he's known as being charitable. He's known as being uh, a, a very kind boss. He sits at his desk, and he always has a Bible generally open on his, his desk, because he leads, he makes Bibles available to all of his employees. And he takes corporate money and funds people on mission trips. He's involved in church planning and he can't wait when the weeks open up for him to leave his desk job and go on mission trips. Because the true passion and desire of his heart is missions. And when your business grows to $6 billion, you can do a lot of missions when you, get that, that, when you have that kind of cash in your pocket. And Do Wan Chang and his wife started a company that you might be familiar with called Forever 21. And on the bottom of every single shopping bag there is the Bible verse John 3.16. Most of you may not be familiar with because his passion is that as people are buying clothes, that they would come to grips with the reality of who God is. And his family, his two daughters, and his nieces all run this company, and their greatest passion is missions and Jesus and the honor of their Lord and Savior. But what's interesting is that in a prayer meeting, they feel God saying this dream in their heart, we want you to, you need to quit these things over here, and you need to take that $11,000, and you need to start a store. And like Mary, you've got the opportunity 
Am I going to carry this dream in faith, or am I going to begin to second guess? Am I going to hide this thing? I'm going to write this down and kind of lock it in the chest. Maybe one day I'll get to that. Surely that can't be God. That sounds crazy. That sounds unsafe. That doesn't sound like the God that I know. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's risky. You're right. It is risky. It's crazy, isn't it? And so here they go, he and his wife. And you can read the account of, of them encouraging each other, of not knowing how it was going to work out. Things being difficult, things being crazy, sales down, sales up, being in trouble because, because they're passionate about their faith in the workplace. Being in trouble because they're, they're taking resources and using it to fund missions. And yet they have one of the most successful fashion industries in the entire world. Now my question to you is, what is God asking you to do? You do not need to start and be somehow a fashion mogul for Forever 21. Or do you need to somehow be a business owner or entrepreneur? Maybe that's what God is asking of you. It could be that God is asking you to let go of your job. Maybe, you're, maybe what you need to respond to in faith is actually being a stay-at-home parent. That can require just as much faith as the latter. Maybe you need faith, though, for that idea that you've been sitting on that's a kingdom idea. That's a, a God-given idea, but somehow you've been too afraid to talk to anybody about it. You've kept it over here, and what you need to do is you need to pack your bags, and you need to walk over and find some Elizabeths in your life and get people who are in faith, who will call faith up, who will encourage you, who will bless you, who will speak life over you. Look what Elizabeth does. Elizabeth blesses Mary. She says, blessed are you among women. Verse 39, or what, what verse is it? Uh, verse 42. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child that you will bear. Verse 43. Then she declares that she's favored and her baby jumps inside of her. There's faith rising up inside of her. And then she declares a blessing over every single one of you and me. And she says, blessed is everyone, I'll quote it, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, I believe she's speaking specifically to Mary here. But we also know that there is a blessing that every single one of us reaps when we trust God. Trusting God reaps a blessing in your life. When you have faith and you sow faith, guess what? You, when you reap, you reap blessing in your life. And some of you need to dig down deep and you need to break out of the rhythms and cycle of just existing and just surviving and you need to begin to have faith again. You need to ask God for dreams. You need to ask him for visions. And then you need to walk in faith with one another to see them come to pass. That's what you need to do. I've got great news and bad news for you this morning. God never gives you a task that fits your timeline. You're going to need faith for it. He never gives you a dream that fits your budget. 
I've got bad news. If it fits within your bank account, it is not big enough, and it probably is lacking a God-sized quality to it. He never gives you a mission that fits your capacity. I found that out the hard way. Planning a church. He doesn't give you a vision that can be accomplished in your own strength. I'm going to say it again. God never gives you a task that fits your timeline. He never gives you a dream that fits your budget. He never gives you a mission that fits your capacity. He doesn't give you a vision that can be accomplished in your own strength. You know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit. We need the breakthrough faith quality of trusting God, asking for God to speak, asking for God to breathe his life, and then also having the, the leadership inside of us to know that we're going to need to pack our bags and we're going to need to get around some people who are going to pull faith out of us. Maybe ask some tough questions. Get around some people who we know can, can speak blessing over us and into us. Luke chapter 2, 4 through 7. This is what the scriptures teach us about Jesus and Joseph and Mary. It says that they went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. There's a census that's been ordered. Mary's about ready to have a baby. She's back from her time with Elizabeth, and now they're faced with the news that they need to leave their town, and they're going to have to walk pregnant to Bethlehem. Say what? God, I thought you... I thought I was carrying the Messiah. I thought I was carrying the King of Kings. I thought I was carrying the one who would set Israel free. I thought I was carrying the one whose presence would dwell with us. God is here, that he's with us, Emmanuel. I thought I was carrying the one who'd fulfill all these Old Testament prophecies. I thought you said this. I thought you said that. How is this the manner in which you're ushering in the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace? This doesn't look like well, how I thought it was going to look. But we live by faith, not by sight. So Mary, encouraged, full of faith, Joseph, they do what those who are full of faith do. They say, okay, here we go. And away they go. They get the donkey. They're making the journey. They get to the inn. Oh, surprise, there's no room left at the inn. Could this be any worse, God? Are you sure, Lord? Are you, maybe, beginning to second guess whether or not this is really like the Savior. Did I imagine that angel showing up? Did I imagine what God said to me? It's not what happened. They continue their journey, and they continue it in faith because that is the manner in which those who follow God live. We live by faith and not by sight. And when God gives you something to carry, when he gives you a vision, when he gives you a dream, when he gives you the baby of that thing to carry in your arms, the only response is to do it by 
Because if you live by sight, you'll never get there. And if you're familiar with the story, Mary and Joseph take up residence in a stable. A place where the animals are hanging out. Poop. Smells. Urine. Braying animals. Mooing cows. Whatever. I don't even know what animal is in there, but it wouldn't have smelled good. Finding some straw. Finding some hay. Finding something, right? Un- there's no comfort. There's no qualities about it that say we're ushering in the King of Kings in this moment. And that is exactly the way God ordained it because once again, we are people who live not by what we see, but by what we know and believe. And it produces some soul fortitude inside of you. Save the rest for another message. Stand to your feet, church. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray. And I want those of you who are sitting on something, those of you who, like a Mary or a Joseph, that God is you feel like God's given you an idea or He's given you a dream. He's put something in your heart and you're waiting for God to show up. I want to pray for breakthrough for you this morning. You might be sitting here this morning and it's literally what you're believing for is something to do with your kids. And you've got to fight to be in faith and to stay in faith there. Well, let's pray together. Some of you, it might be that that you would experience breakthrough literally at a job or that you'd be able to start that business and you feel like it's not just you crying out in your own flesh, but it's something that you feel God has truly given you and graced you for. Well, let's pray for God to give you breakthrough. And after we pray, I'm asking you to do what Mary did, and that is to find other people of faith and share what God has given you and be a source of mutual encouragement for one another. Speak faith to each other. Call each other up. Remind each other of what you know to be true. Because sometimes it's hard to trust God because our flesh wants to live by what we see rather than what we know to be true in our hearts and our souls. Father, we thank you. God, even this morning, here at High Point Church, Lord, I thank you for the dreams that you've set in people's hearts. God, ministry dreams, family dreams. God, I pray for those who dreamed of a family right now. God, and I pray you'd bring them fresh courage for the road ahead they might trust you and believe you. God, I pray for those who are believing, already have a family, yet, God, they need you to to break through. They need you to show up. God, I'm asking that you would move right now, powerfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd bring courage to them right now, right here. God, courage. Courage, God. Holy Spirit, courage. 
you're sitting here this morning and you've been, if you know you've got an idea that you feel like God has graced you with, maybe it's a dream, a business, raise your hand. I want to pray. We're going to pray with you right now. Maybe it's a ministry or, or a business dream. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Father, right now, I thank you for the dreams that you've set in our hearts today. God, even those who didn't want to raise their hands, God, I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would move powerfully in this place right here and right now. God, not that we would somehow build a monument to ourselves, but Lord, simply that we would trust you and allow our lives to advance your kingdom. Break us out of the rhythms of just God existing and surviving and doing one day and then doing the next. God, let us be men and women of faith today, Lord. God, I pray for breakthrough by the Holy Spirit today. In the name of Jesus, who is like the God that we serve? No one. Jesus, I thank you that you, more than anything, God, are the king of our hearts. God, if there's anything we need faith for, God, it's to trust you to change us, to make us new. any of you are sitting here or standing here this morning and you want to put your faith in Jesus, say, Jesus, I choose to believe and put my faith in you today. I declare that you are Lord and that you are Savior. Help me to follow you. Help me to walk by faith and to trust you, to hear your voice and to hear your leading today. Show me the way, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. God's moving in here today, and he's moving in your hearts and in your lives. Do not allow this to just be transactional. Go after God this holiday season. The same way we see Mary and Joseph trusting and believing as they bring Jesus into the world. Trust and follow God as he is bringing fresh things into this world through you as well. And share it with someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Pray. Talk. Get a bite to eat with somebody. People speak faith to you. When I say speak faith, in case that's unclear, I mean people looking at you and saying, man, yes, that's awesome. How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? How can I link arms with you? How can I be a support for you? Man, I'm so blessed that you that you have allowed me even in on this. I, I just, I'm blessed and you're blessed. What a blessing it is. God is amazing. I love that. I'm with you. I'm for you. That's what it means to talk faith to each other. It's not, oh man, that's great. Cool. 
and you just kind of go your way. No, partner with someone. Link up with somebody and walk in faith, not by sight. Amen. Church, it's going to be a great year ahead. we only got a couple moments left together on Sundays here in 2018. We're not done. But I'm already getting excited for what God wants to do through us in 2019.